0: Welcome to the Real Hill Podcast, a ministry of Bunker Hill Christian Church in Bluff City, Tennessee. Our goal is to seek, serve, and grow to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us weekly for a behind the scenes look at what is going on at the Hill and how you can be a part of what God is doing. I'm your host, Sarah B.
1: And I'm Grant Foster, lead minister here at Bunker Hill, and I really hope you will journey with us as we try to create a place where church comes home.
0: Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Real Hill podcast. We are now into April, it's hard to believe, and we just started a new series. It's called Killing Church. So Grant, let's talk a little bit about that, and welcome (laughs) back, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be back, and uh, I I know that um, Brad had a great time doing the podcast with you last week, so I'm glad you got to talk with him, and um, it's been uh, great to get some rest and to get back, Um, but yeah, what a series to step into um, we are walking into this series, um, entitled Killing Church. And, uh, you may, you may be wondering about the title. And, uh, to be honest, I, you know, for me, I, I look a lot of times at the stories of Jesus and I think, you know, we, in any story, in any good story, um, kind of as I talked about yesterday, there's a villain or we make somebody the villain. And it's really quick for us to say, yeah, that would never be us. And we'd never do anything like that. And, um you know how could these people just not see that this was the messiah and uh you know a lot of times we think about you know um for example the 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 roman authority that was there during jesus's time and and we think about also uh the the jewish hierarchy um in a sense and uh you know we look at them and we go why didn't they get it and they're just villains and they were trying to you know set him up for all these things um but you know it, it's one of those things that i i feel like i sometimes I like to take a step back and, and kind of look at the bigger picture. And, and while I'm quick to say, no, that would never be me, I then look at some of the things they did. And uh, I've kind of put it into my context for things I've done to either Christ himself or to the church. Um, and maybe just in a modern way or, or just in a way that I somehow, uh, I guess, excuse <laughs> or justify. Uh, but that's really what we're looking at is in what way – are we doing the same things to the church uh, that maybe uh, some of the people we saw as villains in Jesus's story were doing to him? And, and so we're, we're taking a really hard look. We're being real honest uh, with some things. And, and uh, this is not a, a fun one in any way to go through. But it's one of those things I think every once in a while, uh, we just need to step back and really be challenged uh, by what role we're playing in uh, the, the movement and uh, the work of the community and, and the Bride of Christ.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of our hashtags and themes is to be real at the Hill. So yeah. we're getting real with people. And yeah. um, I think yeah. all of us are not, I would, uh, all of us can, can fall into these patterns. Um, so it's not like we're pointing the finger at anyone specifically or a group of people, but sure. I think it's kind of a universal struggle sometimes that, Um, we put the gospel we put Jesus in a box that's comfortable for us and we take him out when we need him and we put him back and
1: yeah yeah (laughs) go to church
0: and we do our thing on Sundays and then we go back to you know regular life and check that box so I think um it's definitely something we can at least I can relate to for sure so
1: absolutely yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: So I think one of um, the passage that we talked about Sunday was really interesting to take another look. Um, there's one detail that stood out to me, but in Matthew 8, uh, 21 to 22, we, we talk about it. it. was actually a disciple, someone that had already been following Jesus, not one of the 12, but right. basically said, you know, Lord, I want to follow you. To, uh, I just need to bury my dad first. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' response was kind of shocking. I think it's yeah. been misinterpreted throughout the years. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he he says, uh, "Let me first go and bury my father," and and this is the second person in this little interaction that said, "You know, that I want to follow Jesus, uh, but you know, let me do this," and or um, they they kind of have prereq prereqs, uh, I, I would say, because <laughs> I can't say prereq. Sits there. We go. <laughs> it's fitted out eventually. Um, it. But you know, the person right before him says, "You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go where you go, and I'll lay my head where you do." And 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 I'm paraphrasing there, but he basically says, "I, you know, the son of man has nowhere uh, to stay. You know, he's not going to stay still, and that's what he's getting at—that he's going to be constantly moving. That's part of his ministry." Yeah. Um, but when this individual comes up to him, it's interesting because I think from cultural standards, or, or even what we would justify in our own head, we'd say, "Well, that's." completely a, a understandable response to Jesus. You know, well, I'm, I'm willing to follow you, but I need to go take care of my father's for, uh, first, you know, and, and, um, you know, there is the assumption that in, in some ways by some people that his father's already dead, but you know, there's no real proof of that. He doesn't seem to be in mourning. You know, he definitely wouldn't be sitting there, uh, most likely with Jesus. Uh, you wouldn't think during a time of mourning, uh, mm-hmm. if, if his father's death was that important. So, You know, most scholars look at it and say, well, there's no proof that his father was even dead. It appears that he just is saying, you know, I want to do this first and then I'll follow you. Uh, You -hmm. know, so when my father dies, then I'll take care of it and then I'll follow you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Jesus, Jesus has um, what we would consider in a lot of ways, maybe a harsh response. He says, let the dead bury the dead, you know, and um, I, I think for us, what's hard about that is we are so quick to say, but you know, this is family, and, and family's always first, and, and he's just trying to be a good son. And, and we start justifying all these reasons, even in this man's story. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting because um, when it comes to following Jesus, when he, when he talks about you know, taking up our cross and dying to ourselves, that means that everything else becomes secondary. secondary. He becomes the priority. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no follow-up afterwards, and it's not necessarily on our time when we want to follow after Jesus. And uh, so for him to say this, it's not that he's being callous, but he's pointing out the fact that you know, there, the, the time to follow him, to follow what he's leading this man to is now. Uh, there, mm-hmm. It's not something you you put re- prereqs on and you say, I'll do it when I can. Uh, or uh, you know, But we tend to do that. You know, when it comes to following Jesus first and foremost, that's the area we tend to do that. We, we tend to say, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll do all those things you call me to do, but only if my family's comfortable um, mm-hmm. or only it doesn't make me go out of my way. Um, or, you know, I, I, I want to take care of some things in my life first. I want to have some fun or whatever it may be. And, and we put all those things before Jesus. We like the idea, idea of following Jesus, as this man did. But when it actually comes to rubber meeting the road and, and saying, I'm going to follow you, and that means I leave everything I, I thought I needed first behind me, that that's where things get really hard. Um, and, you know, in in the context of the series, Killing Church, you know, we said that uh, in the same way uh, we can do that as the church body, you know, that Jesus is calling us to make disciples. And we know that's his call on our life, you know, to lead others uh, by his lead. Uh, but here's here's the thing. A lot of times we we say those needs or uh, we play the butt game, as I said yesterday. You know, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, I'll do it. But um, this is what I want. But I need to do this, whatever it may be. And we do that with making disciples. We do that with um, picking up our cross. And and as the church, that's what's really killed the church in a lot of ways, because we've we've had our needs and our wants on church um, or on making disciples and as a result, we have failed in a lot of ways uh, as the church to carry out the main mission he put before us, uh, which is to go uh, to all ends of the earth and to make disciples um, because we've put these prereqs. Um, so, yeah, that that that's kind of what we, we focus in with this uh, text is this look to have our needs and our wants uh, taken care of first and then follow after what Jesus is leading us to.
0: Yeah, and I think it also... Uh, translates over into serving too. So, or volunteering. Mm -hmm. And I know, um, you know, we were new to the church and I was like, yeah, I definitely want to get involved. I just want to get settled here. And then that turned into a couple months. (laughs) And um, I know with our, we are a smaller church and we definitely need volunteers. You know, the the events don't put on themselves. Um, The the kids need, um, you know, volunteers at all levels. Uh, We need to come together with gifts and talents that we can offer and, I think part of it is if it was totally convenient and, you know, right, you know, not an inconvenience at all, uh, people are maybe waiting for that, whereas it is a little bit of a sacrifice to give up your time and uh, talents, but it's it's for a greater good. It's what we're called to do, and I think, you know, it might not be comfortable to reach out to a new couple or a new family and invite them out or, you know, uh, just try to make a a bridge of connection there may be out of our comfort zone, but doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. And Mm -hmm. um, I think even people, if we, you know, we have an elderly population as well, that they may be, you know, listening to your message and thinking, Hey, what can I do? I'm 85 years old. I'm, you know, I, I, what, what is there for me? Well, there's a lot of things. There's prayer, there's support, there's encouragement you can offer. Um, There's definitely always an opportunity for ministry, no matter your situation financially, your age, um, your health, even, Um, And I think, you know, hopefully this series will help us take a look at that, um, different ways that we're called in our own situation. We don't have to butt first anything. Yeah. (laughs) We can, you know, look at that today. And I would really challenge anyone listening to this to take a look at your situation. Is there anything that God has maybe put on your heart or you could pray that he would put something on your heart that you can do Um, either to, you know, get the word out, share the gospel, or even serve um, in your community. Um, I think that'd be a really great challenge. It's a very hard challenge, but I think it'd be necessary to see growth.
1: Um, Absolutely. And I think
0: it's amazing what God does when we do step out in faith and say, yes, this is not comfortable. This is not my comfort zone, but I'm going to do this because I want to be obedient to following Jesus. And it's amazing what God will bring out of those situations, um, for sure.
1: Yeah. And, I, and I'll say, you know, too, as, as you kind of you talk about those things that we can be doing as the church, you know, it's it's interesting because I think um, we we forget if we look all the way back to the early church, especially the church in Acts, we forget that, you know, these people, when they were coming into this community, they were being invited to live life. With these people. It wasn't like you, you go to church and then you go home and then everybody just does their separate thing all week. It was in some ways a totally different feel to the community because they were coming together and they would care for each other throughout the week. They would share meals together, they would share clothes, they would share uh, any needs it says that they had. The whole community took care of them and we've gotten the habit I think in the modern church of saying well I've done my part on Sunday mornings, I've said hi, I've volunteered, I've done whatever and now I'm not really going to invite these people into the rest of my week because you know, they, I don't want to bother them. That's a mindset we get. Mm-hmm. We get this assumption that if you invite them into something that maybe you're doing even, well, they're not going to want to do that or, mm-hmm. or that's, that's just boring. Um, you know, uh, I, I just think it's, it's one of those things where if we could just step back and stop making assumptions that we tend to do, you know, um, which one, one of those, uh, other assumptions I'll say is if something's wrong in somebody's life, well, they'll just tell me. You know, instead of these people that maybe we've known for 15 or 20 years, we know if something's wrong and inviting ourselves to, you know, kind of talk to them and say, hey, I noticed that you've kind of been down or you've been tired. or Are you okay?" Just asking that question, not making the assumption. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, going back to that assumption about, you know, not wanting to live life, people are are genuinely uh, looking for community at some level. They're going to find community and the question is why is it as the church that has this perfect example of what community should be why is it that we we get so afraid a lot of times or we we get frustrated you know well that person said no to me so i'm never going to ask anybody else you know why is it that we allow that to become the norm for us instead of saying i'm going to live this sacrificial life that christ has called me to and that means sacrificing you know, my assumptions, sacrificing that they don't want to be, you know, uh, going out to dinner or they don't want to sit uh, with me and my family at this event or whatever, uh, a- a- that we're automatically going to. Uh, I think a lot of times we think if we can't carve out specific time just to be with someone, then uh, we, we're not going to waste our time inviting them or inviting them into our life instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to do this. Do you want to go with me? You know, um, yes. so I, I think that's a big thing. That we need to keep in mind when it comes to uh, laying aside our our needs and our, our uh, you know, our, our excuses or our butts uh, and just saying, hey, we're going to live life together like this early church did. And if somebody's in need or we know something's off, uh, we're going to step in and, and we're going to ask about that.
0: Absolutely. And I think you know a lot of us that are very, you know, we'd like to live in a place of security. So we like to know 90% sure that if we ask someone to church, they're going to want to come or 90% <laughs> yeah. sure if we invite someone over, they're not going to reject us. And I think I would encourage, you know, starting with myself to just reject that thinking. Like if the Lord yeah. put something on your heart and you know, it's not for selfish gain, it's from the Lord just to go with it and just be surprised, be able to look back and see how God blessed that. Um, it's funny. We had, um, we live in a really tiny apartment and so the I I was like getting lonely I would say about a month ago I was kind of like Man, I don't have any friends to hang out with. I don't, you know, can't really go to a movie these days, and yeah, I just don't have anyone to do anything with. And I was kind of complaining about it, and I said, well, you know. And Greg was like, well, what if we had people over? And so I made the excuse, well, we just have these two uncomfortable chairs. We don't have any furniture for other people. Who's going to want to come over? So he's like, well, well, that's something we can fix. And so the next day, we got an amazing deal on a couch and an armchair and another chair. And within the a three day period, we had, you know, we spruce things up in here so we can have people over. And so yeah. we just removed that barrier. Yeah. And um, it seemed like an insurmountable barrier. How are we going to host in a tiny house? How are we going to mm-hmm. have friends over? But we were able to make that work. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how that will change things. Because I, I guess, to be honest, I was kind of waiting around for an invite since so many mm-hmm. people in our church know each other and they all get their things and their family stuff. And I was kind of just waiting around for someone to include me um, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, proactively reaching out and offering yeah. Um, and, or, yeah. you know, wait till the weather gets better. That's another one. We'll wait till spring comes. Well, <laughs> in Tennessee, yeah. you never know when that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I think it's great what you just pointed out to the other side of the equation too, Sarah. I think that's phenomenal that you looked at that and you said, okay, this is a barrier and, and I don't have to wait on people. You know, sometimes, uh, in the consumeristic idea that we get about church, um, when, when we go to visit churches or, you know, for the, the lack of a better term, we say we're church shopping, you know, um, it is easy to fall into that thing. Well, I'm just going to see how people approach me instead of knowing what we want and presenting that. And I, I applaud you and, and Greg and, you know, looking at that barrier and saying, you know, hey, if, if this is how I feel, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, and you've jumped in, uh, full force (laughs) since you've been a part of this community in so many ways. And, um, that's, that's almost the attitude we have to have is, is not just this consumeristic idea, but I'm going to jump in with everything I have now, if that doesn't work out or I'm not seeing the community for that, then yeah, that's, that's something we evaluate and we step back. But if we just expect, uh, to consume, uh, what we, we think we want out of church, uh, then we may never really find it because it won't be long before we're not getting, uh, what we expect you know
0: exactly and that that attitude of not getting what we expect that does kill church and i know um my thought was well if i've been going i can't make a single friend which is no longer true but at the time it was like if i can't even make a friend i love everyone at this church but if i can't even make a friend do i need to go to another church for friends and then (laughs) go to this church you know
1: (laughs) yeah and i was like
0: that's crazy you know and um So I feel like you had brought up a very troubling statistic that we had seen about 30 couples come through that just didn't feel connected and um, we didn't see them again. And maybe that was some of the feedback they gave um, when we reached out, but we, we don't want to be, we we don't want to miss opportunities to grow the family um, in our local church and also, you know, with other believers. But I feel it's so important that people feel something they can get connected to. So we have something set up. We have events to go to, which we do. We have uh, resources to offer people um, and then we also have the social resource of, of people yeah. that want to connect and beyond just a hello but you know kind of get to know people and yeah. um, that's why I love when we have the climb there's that uh, in the in the fellowship hall if you're new yeah. and you don't have a class to go to you can just fellowship with people and answer some of the the reflection questions at the end of the message. And that's a great way to, to dig in proactively. And if you see someone there at the table, a lot of times I'll go there and there's people I've never seen before, you know, take that opportunity uh, to welcome them and kind of be that blessing that, that you wish maybe you had when you first were new And yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I think that those are some practical ways. But um, I think if we don't do that, we don't take this seriously. It is a a church killer. It's going to kill the community um, if we don't uh, really get serious about including people and Absolutely. showing them that love so i'm excited for this series so w- what can we look forward to the next few weeks like what kind of um we're going <laughs> to look at other things that are
1: yeah yeah the The point of the series is to kind of follow along uh it, especially these these last couple of weeks is going to be to follow along the passion of christ um uh, this mm-hmm. week at palm sunday we're going to be looking. Had the triumphal entry. Um, so um, but what we're doing is we're looking at those moments in Jesus's story, especially towards the end when he felt this full rejection or he felt uh, this this plot in a sense that was setting up to kill him in a sense and we're looking at those things that were done to him and saying, okay, are we doing those same things to the church? Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be we're going to be looking at uh, our expectations. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the things that you know we've kind of allowed to become tradition in a sense, and uh, uh, over over what God wants and uh, for His church, and He makes clear for it. So, we're going to be looking at a couple of different things um, there. And I, you know, I'll just say as, as you join us for the series, whether online or in person, I just wanted to say as, as Sarah kind of pointed out, you know, we looked at that statistic of those 30 people, but here's what I'll say. You know, uh, we realize too, even within those 30 people, we're not the church for everybody. You know, Bunker Hill Christian church is not the church for everybody. We, we would love to be, wouldn't that be a great thing if we were perfect and uh, we fit everybody's mold and idea. Uh, we understand that, but one thing we want to encourage you as a church uh, to do, as as you're on on your journey, uh, wherever you're listening from or whatever you're doing, is to open yourself wherever you go to that opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of in, invest and um, also uh, take up a, a role in that community and uh, look to help foster community. You know, I, I used to tell my college students that I worked with if. If you go to a church and you just expect it to be there and it's not there, then you're going to get frustrated real quick. But you know what church is supposed to be if, if that's what uh, you feel passionate about, and you feel led by the Spirit to do. So maybe take the chance to do those things and be the change uh, in whatever community you decide to invest in. And uh, that's, that's really our prayer for you wherever you are in your journey. So.
0: I love that. And I think we'll we'll continue that prayer and just to look at different ways, and uh, look at the scripture, maybe through a different lens. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited for this. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, welcome mm-hmm. back and looking forward to uh, April. We're going to have a great month ahead. So
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. And I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, we'll see you guys uh, for Easter at some point, whether online or in person.
0: All right. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to The Real Hill Podcast. Please visit us online at BunkerHillChristian.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bunker Hill Christian Church. Thanks so much for joining us and be blessed this week.